Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it goes. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bang. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. All right, love the tune. Thank you so much, DJ Jacques and Win Strong, for the song Free Weed from Danny Denko, presented to you by High Times Magazine. This is episode number 27. Awesome. Thanks for sticking with us. It's a lot of episodes. Uh, this is Mike Hughes, and of course, that is Danny Denko. And uh, we are coming to you from High Times headquarters in New York City. And I can say that, I guess, legitimately, because, of course, we have a West Coast office, so that's not just grandstanding on my part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've got a great show in store. We've got, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Hempfest and the Seattle Cannabis Cup coming up. We'll also be talking to Jen uh, Burns, who's going to give us a rundown on Mowdown, which is the great uh, festival that goes on every year with the band Mo and many other bands. And we're going to be talking with Matt from BC Bud Depot. He's a breeder of many award-winning strains and cup winners, including uh, BC God Bud and plenty of others. So we're going to talk about uh, growing and uh, breeding seeds and all of that stuff with Matt. We've got a cultivation segment, our strain of the week. Uh, the tip of the week is going to be about chemical versus organic growing, synthetic or organic growing. And we're going to take some questions and answers. So... Uh, great show, uh, 27, I think, 27, episode number 27. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot and stick around. All right, welcome back, folks. And uh, Danko, I notice you have your bags packed here. Uh, what's going on, man? Well, I'm shipping out to Seattle in the state of Washington to go to the Seattle Hempfest, the world's biggest pot rally, as far as I know, uh, now added an extra day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, I know. That's very cool. It's, it's a crazy scene there, right? Massive. It's right on the water. And Massive. Right on Vivian's the water. Vivian's been doing it for years. Yeah, and- great speakers, uh, amazing bands, and several hundred thousand people over the course of those three days now what's what's that like when you get up on stage is that is that nerve-wracking or is it uh i mean it must be a rush it's definitely a rush i mean people are out as far as the eye can see when you're up there on the main stage they've got a, a number of stages i think about five and so depending on which stage you're speaking on you could be in front of many thousands of people and they're all emanating that energy back at you it's pretty pretty amazing pretty exciting and you're also following in the footsteps of people like uh, Jack Herrer and, and uh, Rick Steves and Eddie Lepp and, uh, you know, all these great activists, including Vivian and, and Keith Strop and Alan St. Pierre, all these great people up there um, giving yeah, their speeches. A, so It's a great tradition. How, how many times have you uh, done it now? This will be only my second time. I was went a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm going back, and I, I've, I've really wanted to be back there and uh, excited to be promoting stuff at our booth. We're going to have... Uh, these iPads that are that'll be set up where people can actually check out our digital version of the magazine. They can sign up for the newsletter. They can actually like flip through uh, our Zinio application that's got that digital version, 
and um, and of course they could purchase tickets for the uh, the Seattle Medical Cannabis Cup, right? Yeah, I mean, basically one month later, we're all going to be back in Seattle for our Cannabis Cup, so we'll be promoting that really heavily while we're out there, um, just trying to drum up a lot of uh, support and encouragement and people buying tickets and and getting booths and stuff. We're we're doing great, and we're really excited to be in Seattle with the Medical Cannabis Cup for the first time, and that's in September. Uh, just almost exactly a month later than the Hemp Fest, so it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I haven't been out to Seattle in a while, and I hear it's a great scene, so uh, you're getting a preview, so enjoy that trip. That's going to be great. Pacific Northwest Herb is is highly underrated when people are talking about the quality of cannabis around the world. Everyone knows about Northern Cali. Everyone knows about Colorado and, and, and European stuff, but... Uh, the Pacific Northwest really has its own tradition of things, strains like Will- Williams Wonder and um, a lot of the purples really originated in that area. So really excited to, to be checking out the bud and, and the lovely people of the Pacific Northwest. It is interesting, though. You really hit the, the nail on the head there. Oregon and, and Washington are sort of the middle child of pot. You know, uh, Northern Cali gets all that attention and, of course, Southern California and all the kush. But but Washington and Oregon, great pot. So Absolutely. Yeah. And and great scenery, beautiful, uh, you know, uh, ocean views, and, and just very, very wonderful to be there. Great sushi as well. <laughs> well, that'll be great. And you know, <laughs> if you see Dan there, come up, say hi, tell him you like the show or that you dislike the show and, uh, <laughs> and stuff we could do to make it better. We have some sad news to report, though. Here, yeah, right? our bud, uh, Pakalika, passed away uh, from co- formerly of the Cottonmouth Kings, and we got to hang with the guy... Uh, um, like I said, on a number of different continents over the years in Amsterdam, they've played several cannabis cups in 99 and I think 2006. And, uh, we put them on the cover as well in November, 2006 cover issue, which we shot here in the office. And yeah, he was always a, a, a very intelligent, very humble man. Uh, you know, he was six foot seven, very imposing on stage. But, uh, when you were hanging out with him, he was just a real nice guy, uh, knowledgeable about hemp and, and world affairs and, and global warming and all those things and just a really really nice guy Uh, he also really went out of his way uh to connect with his fans which i I found to be very endearing and a a wonderful quality i don't think you could say that there's another artist that went out there and 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 hung out with the fans you know in in front of the stage instead of being backstage and and uh yeah pakalika patrick rest in peace we're uh you know, our hearts go out to his uh, friends and family and, and the rest of the Cottonmouth Kings. And, and, yeah, um, absolutely. It's interesting, you know, because uh, I, I, you spent a lot of time with him. I actually got to meet him as well. Uh, he and Bobby Black were running for president in 2008, right. and they asked me to uh, moderate a debate. And all I knew of Pakalika at the time was that he wore the mask and he didn't speak. So I was wondering how exactly that debate was going to go, but uh, there's probably footage on the internet of that. It went very well. He was a very, very uh, humble and, and nice guy to hang out with, and uh, only 34 passed away yeah. uh, from it. It was a cardiac arrest brought on by an asthma attack? Yeah, he had been fighting with a, a really pretty severe case of asthma all his life, and uh, we actually spoke about that in uh, in Amsterdam at the Greenhouse in 2006, and you know, he had switched over to vaporizing more often, and he was a big advocate of uh, vaporizing long before, you know, the vapor revolution or any of that. He really, um, you know, like Eagle Bill or, or any of the other people who uh, were proponents of that, Dr. Lung Life, and, uh, and yeah, Pakalika really preached the vaporizer, although, you know, he also drank a lot of beers and smoked a lot of joints and stuff, too, so... 
you know, genuine guy, real pot lover, knew his chains, knew his grow stuff too. And uh, so, yeah, you know, rest in peace to uh, Big Pakalika and stay giant. There you go. Well, very sad, but uh, he will be missed and uh, we will take a little break. Excellent. Stick around. We'll be back. Come to Seattle, the greenest city on earth, on September 14th, 15th, and 16th to celebrate the greenery of the Pacific Northwest. That's right. High Times Magazine is hosting the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup in the Emerald City. Top businesses of the cannabis industry will be in attendance, showcasing cultivation gear, paraphernalia, stoner apparel, and more. Check out the finest cannabis products of the medical cannabis industry. Meet High Times Cultivation Editors Danny Danko and Nico Escondido. They'll teach you how to grow top-grade ganja and Elise McDonough will be there, too. She's the author of the official High Times Cannabis Cookbook. Be there for the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup Awards when High Times honors the top sativas, indicas, hybrids, edibles, and concentrates submitted by Washington's top dispensaries. And don't forget the High Times Bash for VIPs on Friday night, one major party with top musical guests. Go to MedCanCup.com for details. Come to Seattle for the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup on September 14th, 15th, and 16th at Fremont Studios. All right, welcome back, everybody. And uh, Danko is is, uh, taking a bit of an afternoon nap right now, but... In the meanwhile, we're lucky enough to have managing editor Jen Bernstein in the quote-unquote studio with us. Hi, Jen. Good afternoon, Mike. And uh, I understand that you are just back from an annual festival called Mowdown. Why don't you tell the people what that's all about? Yeah, I had a great weekend at Mowdown. It's uh, every year up in Turn, New York, which is upstate New York. It's like five hours north of the city. And it was a little bit of a mud bath on Friday night. The rain came down, but I got to tell you, those Morons, and that's a loving term for the fans of Mo. Yeah, you you yourself are a Moron. Oh, I'm a total Moron. Uh, yeah, and you could even say that my husband and I we have a Momance. A Momance, I like that. You like that, right? That's very good. <laughs> so uh, back to the moment. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Mo. So yeah, so. Friday night, it was rainy, and but I got to tell you, like, we went prepared. We had our, you know, our galoshers, galoshes? Uh, galoshes, yeah. <laughs> galoshers are good, too, but that's, that's not, that's more for, you know, we, hail. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is momentous. Please continue. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> Did you lose your momentum? No. Yeah, this is not how I envisioned this. Um, but yeah, so Mo down. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were so excited to see Mo. And yeah, you go every year, right? I go every year. Um, this was actually Mo down 13, and I think I've probably been to about nine of them in total. Wow. So how many Mo shows is that for you a uh, lifetime? Uh, I'm up to like 148 now. Unreal. So big number coming up. 150 is 150, coming up. 150. That's uh it's my double straza, and Morons like to count their shows uh, by straza. Straza was one of Mo's drummers, and he only lasted seventy-five shows. Yeah, and you're coming up on a double, so I'm that's a double. very exciting. Okay, so here we go. So anyway, so Mowdown was awesome. Um, let me tell you the highlights, right? Please, yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, there were two stages, and Mo opened up uh, the main stage. And one of the highlights, of course, was Grace Potter, which I wrote about on my blog, NYC Jam Gal in High Times, which is Grace Potter sat in with Mo for Gimme Shelter. 
and Grace Potter and the Nocturnals, if uh, you guys don't know them, you should definitely check them out. Grace Potter is super hot, and she's not just hot, she's talented. She... Yep. She she can sing. What? Why are you looking at me like that? Well, no, because you, you've mentioned previously that you have a problem with uh, with the female singers who are merely attractive and not talented. But Grace is both. Well, now I am turning my corner with Grace. I, I really enjoyed her set. Um, she, yeah, she's she's great looking. She's good looking. And uh, and there's video. You shot some video shot that's some on HighTimes.com. Yep. I mean, it's OK. But. You know, she's from Vermont, she's cool, she sings, she has a good band behind her, and uh, yes, I'm turning my corner. And she sat in with Mo, so yay, Mo. All right, so yeah, check that video out if you're listening, and uh, what else was a standout for you over the weekend? Well, there were other sit-ins, too, with Mo. Uh, well, Al sat in on Saturday with with Leroy Justice, and Leroy Justice is one of High Times Band of the Month. And he sat in for Crosby, Stills, Nash. I think it was Young, too. Possibly Young as well. Possibly yeah. not Young. <laughs> uh, love the one you're with. I'm pretty sure. Was it Young? No. I think it's just... I'll look no, that no, 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 no. It was keep... only Crosby, Stills, and Nash at that young point. Young was gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sans Young. Love the one you're with. Good song. Good song. And uh, Al sounded great with Leroy Justice. And there was a lot of people hanging out at the second stage for that. And just to we just to get this in, love the one you're with actually is a solo uh, Stephen Stills song, but there is a live version by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, which is on uh, Four Way Street. So there you go, setting Music the record lovers. straight. There you go. Uh, Galactic also sat in with Mo Galactic from New Orleans. Stanton Moore on drums, awesome, and they did a couple tunes together. Who else sat in? Do you with remember the Mo? Living Color fella? Uh, oh, Corey Glover. Corey Glover. He sat in with Galactic, right? Uh huh. He's been singing with them. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, they did uh, their big song. Right. The. Um, Come on. I wish I had it. No. Uh, I'm, I could, I'm, it's in oh, my you're head. Gonna have to look, you're going to have yeah. to look it back up again. Yeah, I can't, I can't come up with it. I can't either just because I'm thinking about it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell the wood burning. All right, so. Uh, okay, so what else was Sunday it? we had Umphreys who sat in with Mo. Cult of personality. Sorry, go ahead. Cult of personality. Okay, that's the only thing you'll ever hear me say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Umphreys, um, yeah. Umphreys, 2004. I went to see the fish shows in Vegas, and Mo was playing after the fish shows at House of Blues. So... I'm watching Mo, and I'm probably pretty lit, and I'm feeling really good. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, this band is intruding on Mo's set. Like, they're walking on stage, and they're tapping, like, individual members out. And the members of Mo are being replaced with what I would learn to be were members of Umphreys McGee. And... Once again, what happens this weekend? A band swap. So here comes Umphreys, and they tag the members of Mo, and they go out. And then uh, the members of Mo come back, and everyone's doing uh, Pink Floyd's Time, which was really cool. Yeah, and, and do you have some video of Time? I thought I saw something. Oh, I did. I shot it with my phone. Oh, okay. It might go up. I don't know. D- disregard like, that listening audience. We, yeah, we probably like don't have seconds. it. Yeah. I, I can put it up. You know the song, everybody. YouTube it. Yeah, YouTube yeah. it. But Chuck sang it. Chuck was awesome. 
And Rob, like, didn't, Rob is the bass player from O. He didn't really know what to do with himself. So he just kind of, like, hung out uh, by Jim's percussion kit and, like, picked up one of those, like, shaker eggs and was, like, playing the shaker egg. And we're all, like, looking at Rob, like, what is he doing? He's not really. Those things are harder than they appear to be. Have you ever tried one? I can't get it to work. I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not. I just can't get the shaker egg to shake properly. Well, we we should have a band practice and, you know, school you on that. Or I should just not bother. Anyway. You're um, you're good at this. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So, we had... All right. So, uh, did anything, like, jump out at you? Any new bands that you want to tell everybody about? Ooh. I'm so happy that you asked, Mike. Yes. Uh, J.C. Brooks and the Uptown Sound. Another band out of Chicago. Really liked them a lot. They have a song called I Got High. And so, J.C. Brooks... Uh, who's like the lead guy, the singer, he um, has this really cool pompadour, if you ever get a chance to check him out, J.C. Brooks and his hair. Very cool. So he's singing, but... If you were born in the 90s and don't know what a pompadour is, think Conan O'Brien. Continue. Okay. So yes. Uh, I think on uh, Parks and Rec, they called it... Oh, no, it wasn't. It was the guy from Parks and Rec. He called it a full douche or like a half douche. (laughs) I like that. Okay. But anyways, so yeah. Um, what exactly? How do you achieve the full douche? Is that it's, like the? It's just like really high up. Not it's off like to the five, side. Like five feet. Oh, it's about off the height. The forehead ah. height off. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That's the the full, full douche. douche. All right. Um, so yeah, so J C Brooks has the full douche, <laughs> and uh, J C Brooks and the Uptown Sound, great singer, um, soul funky Motownish from Chicago has a song I got high they do the song like a lot I think it's going to be their single and he like petitions the audience members for weed I don't know if it's because like you're a traveling musician and maybe you just can't get or like you don't want to travel whatever so he asks so. the audience for pot and they they just throw I it up to him I'm not sure that's kind of that's what I've a, heard that's quite a good I don't deal know. he's got or going there he's always talking about weed or his stash or whatever it is but if you go see JC Brooks go get him high Oh, there you go. (laughs) And now, um, everybody, if you enjoyed this segment and other segments that Jen has appeared on, she actually is getting her own podcast on this High (gasps) Times radio network or whatever it is. And uh, you have some exciting news about that that our listeners might be interested in, right? Well, it's not for lack of ideas. Yes, it is. A little bit. We've come up with some ideas for a name for my show. But I'm sure that somebody out there has, like, the best name for... My radio show. So we're going to put it out there to you guys. Yeah. We want you to name Jen's radio show. Name so, show. First of all, what you have to know about Jen is she likes music. I like music. She is NYC jam gal. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's going to have a, uh, a podcast that is basically focused on live music and live music scene. So if anyone out there has a brilliant idea for what we should call this show, which debuts like a few weeks and some at some point uh <laughs> please send your ideas to freeweed at hightimes.com and uh the the one we like best is what we'll call the show and you know what we might even give you a shout out on the show yeah we might we might send you some free weed stickers maybe some magazines yeah you know. maybe you want to come to a show with me we'll hang out you it can hang out awesome. with Jen. yeah we yeah. can go to a show or i just want to see what you guys can come up with and i just want to read out your possible titles over the air maybe we can even vote that sounds great all right so guys hit us up with that and uh we'll we'll let you know how it turned out on the next episode jen bernstein thank you so much for taking some time love the one you're with (laughs) okay
<laughs> Thank you, Mike. And singing a little bit for us. Uh, yeah. Everybody, She Likes Music. That's NYC Jam Gal Jen Bernstein. Thank you so much. And uh, we will be right back with Matt from BC Bud Depot. Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt, but here at Free Weed, we have a motto. Give a man a bud, he smokes for a day. Teach a man to grow, he smokes for life. And that is from our friends at BC Northern Lights, our sponsors. And they have been around for the last 10 years making some of the greatest grow boxes on earth. The bloom box, the producer, the mothership, the nursery. These are great investments where you can grow your own free weed. Contact them at bcnorthernlights.com. You can give them a call toll-free at 888 236 1266. Check them out. BC Northern Lights. Awesome grow boxes. Great people. Great customer service. That's bcnorthernlights.com. 888-236-1266. Tell them Danny Danko's free weed sent you. Welcome back to episode 27 of Free Weed from Danny Danko. Thank you to Jen Burns uh, for the Modown Lowdown. And uh, we are here with uh, Matt from BC Bud Depot. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Danny. Good to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you. And uh, I should let people know, in case they don't, that uh, Matt has won multiple cannabis cups uh, with the God Bud and the Perps and a number of other strains, I believe, and uh, as well as lots of uh, Top 10 Strain of the Year awards. Uh, so congratulations to you on that. Uh, amazing strains such as the Black and, uh, like we said, the God Bud, the Perps, and our Strain of the Week, which is actually the uh, Sweet God. I just saw that. That was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> cool, cool, nice, yeah. And nice, BC Mango, nice of course, and, and just a ton of great strains from the uh, the Vancouver area and all over the world. All over BC. We work, uh, you know, far and wide all over BC, all the way from the island, all the way up to the interior, you know. So. Nice, nice. And uh, basically, uh, what's it feel like to win a cannabis cup? Oh, man, it's nothing like it, you know, it's like, uh, well, to, as a Canadian, it's like the Stanley Cup of cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and you've had, to, you've done it uh, multiple times, so that's pretty, that's got to be pretty cool. For sure, for sure, I, I love the cannabis, it's just awesome, it's it's great to be there every year, no matter what, just uh, um, to, uh, you know, I, I do my best every year, uh, bring out my best, you know, bring out the best species to offer, and uh and just even just the networking and just, uh, you know, all the people and all the, the community. It's just wonderful to, to just uh, take part in that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, uh, you know, traveling and all of that, uh, you were, you tell me a little bit about this uh, Shiatsu Kush. The Shiatsu Kush came from Japan. I can't, can't even pronounce the island that we went to. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was uh, underground breeders. Um, they're like, it's the laws are so strict in uh, Japan regarding cannabis that it was it was really hard to actually even get it out and to network with these people. But um, you know the Japanese they come to the cannabis cup every year and mm-hmm. it's like you know like uh, how do you say the van loads or something right like or plane loads you know they take, they charter their own planes they're they're right into their weed and uh, uh, you know but you can uh, the the laws are very strict so it was really hard. To, yeah, but apparently they do have an underground contest uh, of marijuana genetics, right? 
That's right. Yeah, the, the JCA Awards. Wow. And uh, Japanese Cannabis Association. Yeah, it's real. It's super underground. Yeah. Um, and they're just. Uh, it's just really cool guys, Japanese. You know. Yeah. Really cool. It's uh, it's their their government's just got to you know start up a bit. That's all. Yeah, I know it's very strict over there, but uh, somehow people still manage to produce great genes, and you were able to bring the shiatsu uh, back and put it out. Uh, I guess soon in seed form, right? Yeah, yeah, it's already out. It's already released. Yeah. Oh, cool! Right it's on. Not, yeah. Right on. And where where do people go to to learn more about uh, your strains and and what's available? Um, well, you can call us on the one eight 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 number one triple eight forty BC Bud. Uh, the guys in Amsterdam are always happy to help. Um, and just you know, bcbuddepot dot com. Perfect. Um, yeah. Cool. And uh, I also wanted to talk a little bit about this Israeli project. Um, my uh, colleague Nico Escondido got to go over to Israel with you in, and and check out some of the gardens that they're doing for their uh, medical marijuana program. And I guess you're uh, pretty heavily involved in that, right? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome over there. Like they're they're you know they're one of the leading uh, leading uh, you know uh, in leading countries in the world in the research and development of medical marijuana. Um, we got to meet uh, Dr. Raphael. Um, Mitchell Wong, who isolated the first isolated THC in uh, 1964. Yeah, um, it was Dr. Meshulam, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nico and I traveled to Jerusalem to check it out. And uh, yeah, the guys at Can Doc there. Um, and, you know, also I've been to a few other farms lately. Um, farm Farm Can over there. And, uh, you know, they do really well. Um, and of course, I've brought um, all kinds of uh, our genetics down there, and the perps is basically in every dispensary in Israel now. It's pretty awesome. That's amazing. And actually, um, our friend uh, Ori, um, who uh, managed both uh, CanDoc and uh, PharmaCan for a while, is uh, now uh, here working on uh, some projects, some medical projects here in with my buddy Huck Finn. Yeah. Oh, in, in Vancouver? Uh, on the island, yeah. Oh, perfect, perfect. Right on. Well, uh, that's amazing. And and so there, there there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, federally licensed growing going on now in Canada, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. We're uh, 100% legal by the, by the book, yeah, just... Uh, you know, I, I yeah, <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to predict the future, but um, right now it's, uh, it's it's you know we've got a good thing going on up here. And, yeah, and those, and you're talking about uh, pretty large, uh, multiple light facilities, basically warehouse grows, right? For sure, yeah, yeah. We do industrial. Um, I think it was, uh, well, I was you know like we're talking about yeah, but thousand watt grow rooms. Wow, that's excellent. That's cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, actually breeding cannabis seeds. I mean, what goes into a, a project like, let's say, um, the Godbud or the Perps? Um, you know, what does it entail to make the seeds available? Um, well, basically, with the Perps, for example, um, we acquired um, from actually, uh, well, we acquired uh, from a friend of ours in uh, California the O4 Cup, actually, that we won with the God. Um, uh, it was clone only, so um, I was. We acquired seeds of uh, a killer queen cross perps, and from there uh, we imported the perps clone uh, from 
and um, back across it, you know, several times, and you know, um, basically, you know, it's a we we do large numbers, you know, so um, we're always looking, you know, uh, for selection um, of the best of the best, and uh, you know, looking, and then you know, trial runs, and uh, just looking for you know the best of the best, and basically, once you hit a point, like with the God. It's really hard to, uh, you know, you can create an F1. Like the Speed God is a great F1, wonderful F1. But um, and and we st- and we leave it at that, um, just because it's kind of reached uh, its pinnacle, so to speak. Um, but uh, you know, uh, the God is uh, slow to veg, slow to clone, and it's almost a little bit bottlenecked, you know. But it's just, it's like uh, I was. Um, bottleneck in the way that it's just you, you, it's hard to uh, outbreed it and it's just it's kind of reached its glory kind of. now you also have feminized uh, varieties as well right yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, and I noticed on your website that you don't just sell uh, BC Bud Depot seeds you have TH seeds and Soma uh, DNA Delta 9 uh, Mulberry seeds and some uh, limited edition stuff as well uh, is that something you're going to continue to do? Is offer other people's genetics? Yeah, I've, you know, there are there are bros in Amsterdam. You know, the cannabis community is a tight tight knit community. So um, we're yeah, you know, um, <laughs> shout out to Adam if he hears this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're we've had up. we've had him on the show as well. Oh, cool, cool, yeah. Um, you know, they're all our bros. So it's you know, it's a, we're all like a big family. You know, so. Cool, cool. Well, that's great, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we can have you on again at some point in the near future. I know uh, the audio quality isn't quite as great as we could do, so we'll definitely definitely have you on again. And uh, thank you for coming on and being on Free Weed from Danny Danko. Uh, if people want to check out bcbuddepot.com, uh, or you can always call them at one eight 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 four zero bc bud one eight eight eight. 40 bc bud and uh yeah anything else you wanted to lay on our fans at all i just keep free the weed keep on growing nice well thanks matt and uh i'll uh i'll be seeing you in november thanks for coming on the show and keep up the hey great work. you betcha i'll have a big bag of bitch yeah good for you Danny, for sure cool thanks man uh we will be right back with our cultivation segment uh thanks to matt from bc bud depot and stick around Hey everybody, Mike here. If you're looking for some seeds to grow your next crop out, look no further than BC Bud Depot. Now this is a a seed bank that we have a lot of respect for. They're one of the best in the world. They have all the award-winning pot strains you could possibly want. They have our Strain of the Week Sweet God, BC Mango, the Black, BC Kush, Amnesia Haze, anything you could want. Indoor, outdoor, feminized seeds, autoflowering, BC Bud Depot. They're in the game for a long time. We love them. Go check them out. You can get them online. You can give them a call. You could order by mail. Check them out. www.bcbuddepot.com or 1-888-40-BC-BUD. That's 1-888-40-BC-BUD. All right. Welcome back. We are now going to get into the cultivation segment of the podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we usually kick it off with Strain of the Week, and I don't see why we should not do that this time. So let's do Strain of the Week. Let's do it. The Strain of the Week this week is BC Sweet God from BC Bud Depot. This was a winner of a High Times Top 10 Strain in 2006, and it's a combination of two uh, very, very good strains, the Sweet Tooth and the uh, the BC uh, God Bud. So the Sweet Tooth Male is what was selected for this, and uh, the original clone of the cup winner uh, for Best Indica in 2004, which was the God Bud. So you've got the potency of the God Bud and then the faster production and that real candy sweet flavor of the Sweet Tooth. So you, you, the result is a really good, heavy-yielding F1 hybrid that's really perfect, perfect for commercial growers uh, and anyone that's looking to maximize density of the bud with still retaining a lot of that sweetness and flavor. Um, medical patients should note that uh, it's a real appetite inducer. It's got that uh, indica quality. The flowering time is really short, six to seven weeks. Uh, it's basically the lineage is BC Godbud crossed with the male sweet tooth. And yeah, BC Bud Depot. Uh, if medical patients are also struggling with nausea or vomiting, this is a great uh, strain that reduces that uh, that nausea and vomiting and really hardy to grow so growers love it short fla- uh, short f- flowering time so it's great for people in colder climates or higher altitudes and of course because it's uh, out of Vancouver Island it's really going to be uh, very very strong in in better uh, environments so uh, check out the BC Sweet God yeah, absolutely. That's our strain of the week. And, uh, you know, as always, we post these on hightimes.com. So head over there to check it out. Also, if you're interested, you could purchase Danny Danko's Field Guide. Uh, it's a great book and all the strains are in there. A lot of knowledge. So check that out, too. Yeah. And uh, what do you have for the tip this week? Well, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, organic versus uh, chemically grown cannabis. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what this really means. But yeah, this is sort of a, a hot button issue, right? A lot of a lot of opinions. Yeah, of course, and every every grower has their opinion, and and there are uh, great buds to be made with all of these methods. I mean, veganic, organic, uh, hydroponic, using you know chemical nutrients. A great bud can be made with all of them, but it's important to know what the different terms mean. Organic is basically a product that's derived from something that was living, and the synthetic products are basically uh, cooked up in a laboratory. Uh, so, uh, your general hydroponic three, three part mix, the, you know, pink and brown and bloom grow, that's a synthetic product that was developed, you know, in conjunction with NASA for growing in space, very clean, uh, hasn't changed much of a formula in, in many years, but it's, it's very effective. And so that's a perfect example of a chemical nutrient that you can use as long as you flush out the last week or two, and use plain water, you can get a lot of those things out of the plant. And, and honestly, it, it'll be difficult for people, even true uh, connoisseurs and aficionados, to tell. If you use the Lucas formula and stay on the low end of uh, your parts per million with those synthetic nutrients, you can get a product that's very good. Now, with organics, you're going to run into the problem of uh, odor sometimes. You know, it's going to smell. Uh, when you add water to, you know, poop, <laughs> you know, to be honest, some of it is poop, some of it is liquid fish, which is literally like, you know, pulverized 
ground up dead fish, you know, not all of it smells very good and some of it actually is really quite putrid. And if you're a hydroponic grower using uh, tubes and stuff like that, you can really clog up those tubes, you can clog up the you know, drip emitters and sprayers uh, when you're using an organic product and trying to convert that into a hydroponic uh, application. So. Uh, you know, and not to poo-poo on organics because I do believe <laughs> <laughs> getting a lot of the toilet humor in here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I do believe that uh, you know the ultimate cannabis is grown organically or even veganically, just because uh, there's just very little of any kind of uh, synthetic product, any salts and minerals that are in there. As long as it's flushed out, I mean, you still need to flush whether you grow organically or with synthetic nutrients. Um, synthetics are easier. I mean, let's be honest. It's much easier to just take the Lucas formula, a very low level of uh, synthetic nutrients, uh, and just go through the system week by week, and at the end, flush it all out and have a, a very good, uh, incredible product. Uh, it's much more difficult, you know, if you're using things like compost teas and, and uh, bat guano and, and seabird guano and, um, you know... Uh, seaweed and, and liquid fish I mean those are, are, are there's a level of difficulty that's higher but I think the uh, essentially the, the product that you get is going to be better I believe organically now I've smoked great bud that's not organic and I've smoked great veganic bud uh, that wasn't flushed right so uh, really it's all about the flush and uh, whatever your application is if you're growing uh, using drip emitters in rock wool you're not going to get over by using organic nutrients because essentially the rock wool is just there to hold your roots in place and you're going to get more bang for your buck out of general hydroponics or advanced nutrients or any one of the other uh, uh, synthetic products than you will trying to organically feed that type of uh, um, application, that type of medium using organics. So, But if you're using a soilless mix or cocoa, then or organics could be your bet if you really want that clean, clean burn and, and wonderful taste that you get um, when you use the organic application. So, uh, you know, that's products like earth juice or, uh, you know, geez, there's organic hair. Even uh, General Hydro has a general organics line. So they're all coming out with uh, organic lines. And I think, you know, judging from the last time I was at the hydro convention, which I don't even really call the hydro convention anymore. It's basically the indoor garden show because so many products have come on the market that are organic. And, and that's not to say always that they're OMRI certified. Uh, OMRI certification basically just means that uh, it passes a very, very basic level uh, of organic certification. And there, there could be sewage sludge and things like that that can still be used in that type of application. So uh, you know, if, if you're a hobbyist and you're working in a small space, I say go organic and grow the best possible bud you can possibly grow. But if you have a warehouse full of plants, you may want to go the synthetic route because uh, the organics is going to just bring in a, a numerous other issues that you might have to deal with. And really, you got to think about if you want to have a living soil or a dead soil. And by dead soil, I don't mean dead, but just... Uh, you know, a medium that holds roots rather than a medium that feeds plants. Um, and that's basically the, you know, the rundown on uh, organics versus synthetics. Uh, neither one necessarily better than the other. I mean, synthetics also have the issue that uh, you're going to be letting all that stuff out into the system 
uh, you know, whether it be through your drains in your house or your grow room and, and it's, you know, salts and it's pollution basically. And organic nutrients won't cause that. If you've ever looked at the salt and sea in California, you'll see what, uh, heavy duty synthetic nutrient agriculture can do to the environment. And, uh, that's a perfect example. If you look that up. Yeah, very cool. And uh, if you, uh, the listener, are desirous of hearing more about this, um, one of your panels, I think it was from Los Angeles, got into this with uh, Swerve and Kyle Cushman. They talked a bit about that. Yeah. And we uh, we aired that a few episodes back. I'm not sure the exact episode, but, uh, you know, if you check the uh, the uh, listings, you know, you'll find it. And there's a lot of good info in there. So, yeah, excellent. Right on. Let's uh, let's take some questions and answers from our listeners and readers. Let's do that. My favorite part of the show, you send us your questions and Danko answers them on air. Uh, two ways to get a hold of us. Freeweed at hightimes.com. That's a good way. Also on Twitter, uh, at Danny Danko, hashtag freeweed. And of course, at MyQ's underscore. Don't want to forget that one. So uh, let's dive right in. Uh, first question comes from email. And actually, it's a it's a friend of ours, uh, Jesse and James, who nice. we know, uh, yeah, pretty well. They're they're always probably the, trimming right now. Yes, it does say <laughs> that they listen to the podcast while working in the garden. But nice. uh, their question is: uh, We cure in mason jars. Does the amount in the jar affect the cure? Is there a difference between large and small capacity jars? And does the amount of airspace left in the jar have a factor on the finished product? If size and space has an influence, we'd love to know what size jar and how much space you would recommend. <laughs> Good question, guys. Um, basically, the amount of air inside the jar will determine how quickly the wetness inside the curing buds will be drawn out, meaning that uh, the more air in the jar, the quicker the buds that you're curing inside that jar will expel moisture. Um, so a jar filled with buds is going to cure slower than a jar that's half full with buds. Uh, and you can use this knowledge to slow down or speed up that you're cured depending on the level of water uh, still left inside your buds. So post-harvest, when you trim and hang up your buds to dry, uh, you know, that process, you want it to last about a week, uh, maybe even two, depending on the humidity and heat in your area. Um, Sorry, Denko has his vibrator out on the table (laughs) here. We're going to turn this off. Uh, It's definitely best to keep this process uh, slower than three to four days or so because you don't want to lock in that green chlorophyll taste, and you'll do that if you uh, dry too quickly. Um, this we're not talking about curing, but just the drying process. And if you need to add a humidifier to your drying room, if you think they're drying out too quickly, please do so. And don't leave any fans blowing directly onto those drying colas. Uh, but you do want air circulation, but not right, right onto those colas because they'll dry too quick. Um, now, once you've determined that they're sufficiently dried, that's when you can start the cure. Uh, basically, the stems should break instead of bending, and the outside of the flowers should feel basically bone dry to the touch. Um, the truth is that there's still plenty of water stuck inside the bud and the curing process is going to slowly sweat out that remaining liquid. So you're going to want to use opaque jars, ones that you can't see inside of, dark colored on the outside, uh, place them in a cool dark place and open the jars shortly thereafter to determine the level of moisture. Um, you're going to leave them open if there's condensation forming on the inside of the glass or anything like that. And slowly but surely, if you're opening and closing the jars once or twice a day, Uh, the moist air is going to be replenished by the dry air that you're adding, and the water that's stuck in the middle of the bud is going to work its way to the outside and out into the air. So uh, after three weeks, month or so, curing, the buds are going to burn and taste perfectly at that point. Um, As far as the size of the jar, any size will do. 
uh, if you go too big, just use less bud and, and um, you know, those big, huge gallon uh, jars are great, but you don't want to cram them too full because you might, uh, you might get mold problems and stuff if, the w if there's a lot of wetness there. Um, I like the perfect nice little ball jars that you can buy by the case and uh, they fit, you know, about an ounce or so. Those are usually, a, usually really nice to, to get a nice cure and keep it nice and slow. All right. Well, thank you, Jesse and James, and we hope to see you out in Seattle. Actually, that question reminded me of, it was one of the first videos, I think, that we did together. It wasn't cure-specific, but I think it was called How to Store Your Pot, and yeah. you got into a lot of that same stuff with the size of the jar and the, and the amount of weed and all that, so uh, check that out on the YouTube if you want. And uh, moving along, this is a question from Twitter, at Benny Vitali. Uh, this is a good question. I like this. Uh, when a seed dealer gives an estimated harvest weight, are they talking about fresh-picked wet weight or dry smokable weight? All right. Uh, he's talking about if you go to the website of uh, a seed breeder, they'll usually typically give you like a, a yield uh, per seed or per plant or per square meter or however they report it. Uh, the weight that they're giving you is going to be for dried bud uh, under ideal circumstances. But you should just really keep that as a kind of rounded off number because there's so many other factors. Um, those are basically just a guideline, and so all these other factors are going to affect your yield. Um, those numbers are fairly arbitrary. I mean, you'll know if it's a heavy yielder or not, but I wouldn't count your chickens before they hatch and just start saying I'm getting a, get you know 300 grams per plant or whatever it is that they say. Uh, you want to... It's basically an average yield, not an actual yield that they're giving you. And so if you're growing indoors or outside, if you're growing in large containers or small containers, if you have short vegetative stage or long vegetative stage, those two are the type of the things that are a much bigger factor in the end result that you're going to get. So uh, consider those numbers uh, on those websites and in the catalogs as guidelines to tell you, okay, this is a pretty heavy yielder or, okay, I, this one's not. I'm going to have to veg it out a little longer or uh, use some kind of topping or trellising technique. All right. Thank you, Benny Vitali. We hope that helped. And uh, moving on, this is an email question. Uh, Scott Rose from uh, Ontario is officially addicted to our show. Thank you, Scott. Uh, very cool. His question is, he has uh, several plants outdoors have started flowering. And uh, on his schedule, he didn't anticipate that happening until a bit later, so he was wondering, with everything being equal, could the moon phase this year be the cause of early flowering? Wow, interesting. Okay, well, uh, basically, uh, the darkness of a new moon in, in mid-July could have caused the plants to flower a bit earlier this year. Uh, another factor is that global warming could be playing a role. Uh, unseasonably warm temperatures combined with those extra dark nights in mid-July could have tricked your plants into beginning their flowering stage a little bit sooner. Uh, the other thing is the plants could be slowly, uh, meaning over several generations, acclimating to their environment and adjusting their blooming schedule based on the short fall season uh, and the earlier frost that you get in your area of Canada. Um, and keep in mind that flowering times are never written in stone and they're ever so slightly shifting each year depending on atmospheric circumstances. So uh, cannabis ha has a natural ability, like other plants, uh, to adjust over time in order to thrive in less hospitable environments. And so your plant could just be adjusting over those generations to 
uh, your particular circumstances. So uh, hopefully it's not something that's going to keep happening year after year, but I see that you know a lot of plants in New York are blooming sooner in the spring and things, and I think global warming and those uh, those extra dark nights could be playing a role. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that's something I never really would have thought of. Last week we had that question about uh, whether street lights could affect the um, the flowering stage and now the, the moon phase as well. So good stuff. Thank you, uh, Scott. And moving on, Mark from Toronto. He's growing Hawaiian snow and white rhino outdoors. Uh, he was wondering, when it comes time to harvest, should I expect to have the same cup-winning qualities that these strains have demonstrated at previous cannabis cups, assuming I dry and cure them properly? Or does that only come from the techniques and facilities that the pros have? Very good question. What do you think, Dan? I think uh, as long as you do everything right and the environment, uh, environmental factors play in your favor, that your bud from seeds that won a cup should be as good as the cup-winning bud. Um, there's nothing that the people growing growing it um, necessarily know uh, better, except just to do it, to grow. They know the plant and they know how to grow it out right. But there's nothing that they can use, uh, you know, as far as equipment that you couldn't get access to to make the same exact uh, high quality connoisseur, you know, cannabis. That was a bit of a tightrope walk right there. I see you sweating because as soon as you said it, you want everyone to know that anyone can grow great pot. Right. But you also want to respect the growers that you know that really do have great knowledge and turn out uh, incredible weeds. So nicely done. I think you struck a good balance. Well, there's always more to learn. And and, uh, those guys are learning more at at the same time as we all are. All right. And uh, what do you say? Time for one more? Yeah, we could do one more. Cool. All right. Uh, Jordan writes, uh, my question is about how to grow my career in medical cannabis. I want to be involved in the cannabis industry and legalization movement in some capacity. Um, Now, the question is, would moving to Portland, Oregon be a bad move when I currently live in Colorado? My only experience in the industry is from bud tending. And uh, I want to know where should I start and what advice would you give someone who wants to get into the industry? Huh, okay, good question. Um, it's definitely a fun industry. Uh, as far as Portland, Portland's a great place, uh, wonderful, great activists, and uh, a lot of opportunities on the business side as well. But uh, you're already in Colorado, so I don't know. It's not too shabby in that department yeah, as Colorado's well. Colorado's not a bad place to be. Yeah, I mean, if uh, you know Denver, Boulder, the, there's some great opportunities there too. So I would make that decision just basically based on your own personal preference of where you want to live. Um, it's a lot more rain in Portland and it's a lot more dry in Colorado, but, uh, um, no matter where you end up, I mean, it's important that you have, if you're going to think commerce, you should always think activism as well, because the cannabis businesses need to support the nonprofits and we're all working to free the plant for everyone. Um, the fight's only going to be won if everybody contributes, uh, as far as the career, go to as many pot-related events as you can, you know, and meet the people that make those things happen. Seattle Hemp Fest, Boston Freedom Alley, uh, Portland Hempstock, Hash Bash in Ann Arbor, uh, and, of course, our High course Times... the Medical yeah, Cannabis High cups, Times Medical obviously. Cannabis Cups are Dreams a great are place. Made. And the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam is also a great place. Um, you're going to have fun, and you're going to learn about the plant and all those people who, you know, uh, will be hooking you up with the career. Um, I would say do a lot more listening than talking, at first, absorb what you can, uh, learn to discern 
the people who know what they're talking about and be able to separate them from uh, some of the charlatans and shysters that um, sadly invade every burgeoning industry. Uh, and above all, I'd say work hard and have fun and you know make connections and, and don't be afraid to work for cheap or even for free when you start because eventually if you are valuable enough you will be paid you know and you will make a living eventually as long as you make yourself known you know you can freelance for high times we have our uh, submission guidelines on our website uh, anyone's welcome to submit uh, stories on cultivation on any kind of pot related uh, things that they want so it's interesting. You've actually addressed this topic before, and, and your main point was, well, you know, the pod industry is kind of wacky. It's really not that different than any other industry. The principles are the same. You know, you have to start out and pay your dues and work your way up and network and all of that stuff. So, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, I haven't seen anybody uh, rocket to the top. You know, it's always a slow slog, you know. A lot it's of a work. De deadline after deadline. So, yeah, you're not just going to smoke pot all day uh you got to get your work done uh and then there's plenty of time to have fun as well and actually we got a, an update here i'm just noticing from jordan uh update on this we were moving to denver um think it'll be financially easier the medical scene is there and you guys have spoken positively about denver on free weed so jordan we wish you the best with that i i think that's a good move what do you think yeah absolutely denver is close by so if you have family or anybody uh in the vicinity you won't be too far and um, there's great careers available. Just, you know, like I said, keep uh, your nose to the grindstone and uh, your ear out for, you know, anything that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> there you go. All right, that does it for the Q&A. Uh, again, if you want Dan to answer your question on the show, just send us an email, freeweed at hightimes.com, or hit us up on Twitter, at Danny Danko, hashtag freeweed, at Mike Hughes underscore. Um, what do you say we take a little break and come back and wrap it up? Let's do it. All right. What a show. Welcome back to the wrap. Yes, we're going to wrap it up. And, and how do we wrap it up? We wrap it up with raw papers, the raw paper wrap up. Uh, thank you so much to Jen Burns for the mow down, low down. Uh, thank nice. You. That was good. <laughs> thanks to Matt uh, from BC Bud Depot for the interview. Um, thanks to all the listeners and, and, and free weed heads out there. Um, shout out to Bean and Elise getting married on the 24th of August. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm going to see uh, Elise out in Seattle. And uh, anybody... Uh, who's a fan of the show, come up and say hi at the High Times booth. we got a lot of cool stuff we're going to be showcasing there. Um, let me know that Free Weed sent you. And uh, cool, uh, uh, episode 27 has been a blast. And uh, thank you so much for your support. Check us out on Facebook at uh, Free Weed from Danny Danko. Yes, like us. Twitter. Like us. Yeah, like our page. Like our page and spread it and share it with your friends, man. This is the only way we're going to Free Weed is if everybody just all through this in. radio show right now <laughs> is the only way. Yeah, we're gonna free jump weed. in and help us free weed forever. Episode twenty-seven, Seattle Hemp Fest. See you there. I feel like that segment was amazing. I feel like it sucked.
All right, welcome back. Uh, we are about to get into the cultivation segment now. That was creepy. Try, <laughs> try that again. 